0: look at my butt show number 251 of look at his butt lt and jk talk track
1: well listeners
0: here we are again
1: again after an exciting weekend (laughs) it was exciting at a convention um where we had a wonderful time
0: yeah it was great we did what we did last year, which was that we stayed here at my house, which is not too far away from no. where the con is, and we drove down the first night, but then the other two times on Saturday and Sunday, we took the light rail, which was um, much better to get in. Yes. And it was held at the same place. It was the San Jose Convention Center. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, it felt smaller this year, just in terms of the programming that they had arranged Like not quite so much stuff happening simultaneously, right? Um, not panels that started quite early or went quite late. It seemed like most everything was ending at about five in the afternoon, which was totally fine. That was fine with me. And we just took a very relaxed approach. We saw the panels that we wanted to, we took some breaks, we had a nice lunch, we walked around. The weather was beautiful. Oh, thank goodness. So we managed to sit outside and just enjoy the fresh air. So it was very, very good we saw some sciencey stuff so we saw a really interesting panel about um, traveling to Mars mm-hmm. pack your bags we're going to Mars and the panel not quite yet, <laughs> not quite yet the panel was all scientists who talked about uh, pros and cons of uh, going to Mars going to the moon and going to low earth orbit as sort of um, mm-hmm. where our next outpost is going to be and that was i thought it was really interesting to hear who was for which one and how they were thinking we were going to progress. And I don't know, from a practical point of view, it just seems like going to the moon and having settlements on the moon makes more sense than anything else mm-hmm. because it's so much closer. Right. And because there's so many raw materials there that you can make stuff out of, and that can be our big experiment. You know, that mm-hmm. they we're pointing out that going to Mars has a lot of advantages because Mars is more like Earth in terms of the gravity and things like that, but it's so far away. Right. It's not like you could go there and then come back
1: mm-hmm. easily.
0: You're pretty much going to go there and maybe not come back, you know, right. depending on what happens. So I thought that was a really good discussion. I liked It was. It was a fun discussion. Mm-hmm. And then what did we do after that? I um... <laughs> can't even remember.
1: Remarkable. Was that the fanfic one after that? No, that was No, hilarious. no, not the fanfic one. The um
0: we should have had the schedule in front of us. Oh yeah. But was choose. it the
1: one with the Captain Nemo guy? And what were they talking about? Oh
0: that was the thing about adaptations.
1: Yes. See I was getting it confused yeah. with fanfic So that
0: was very good. So um it was a, a team of um not professionals but but people who are um you know Media consumers. And, yeah. And, bloggers. Yeah, bloggers and stuff. And they were talking about adaptations. And we wanted to see that specifically to see what they had to see say about things like Star Trek. And it was a good discussion. mm
1: mm-hmm. um, What was bugging the shit out of me <laughs> was through the entire 45 minutes, whatever it was, they consistently misused the word reboot. Yes. Because they were saying prequels were reboots, sequels were reboots, you know... Everything was a reboot, and right. it's like, no. No,
0: they're not. They're really not. It, it, it. People were throwing around a lot of terms without really defining them. So mm-hmm. you know, there's reboots. Yep. There's remakes. Yeah. There's reimaginings. Mm-hmm. There's prequels. There's sequels, and those are all different things. You know, yep. there might be a little bit of Venn diagram overlap between them, but they're not the same. They maybe. are not all reboots. Yeah. So a lot of the talk was about um, what made things different and when it felt like something was being billed as uh you know part of the same thing like battlestar galactica was the example where the new battlestar galactica was quite different from the old one so it wasn't a remake and it wasn't really a reboot it was just something different that was still called battlestar galactica yeah
1: and i honestly think when i hear the word adaptation, science fiction adaptation, whatever, I am usually thinking book to movie, uh book to TV, uh, movie to TV, you know, something like that. A change of of media, a change of of form Mm -hmm. to me is what adaptation is, and the interesting part to me of like a film adaptation of a book is they almost always have to cut a bunch of stuff out, Mm -hmm. which gets a lot of people's panties in a twist, But it's a different way of telling the same story Mm -hmm. and to see what they choose to to focus on Mm -hmm. and what they perhaps add to it to make a point more efficiently. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is adaptation.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, they didn't, now that I'm thinking about it, did they talk in that panel about the Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit at all? I don't think they No, did. they never mentioned That would it. have been a really interesting example because mm-hmm. those were clearly adaptations, right? Like, you couldn't mm-hmm. film everything that was in there, so the screenwriters had to pick and choose the moments that they wanted to focus on, mm-hmm. and some of it was straight out of the books, and some of it was totally invented,
1: like, well, for and, cinematic effect. <laughs> and Game of Thrones, even before they outran how much of the books have been written, like mm-hmm. for the past, I believe, two seasons... They're on their own. They've, <laughs> they've gotten farther in the story than George R.R. R. Martin has. Uh-huh. Even then, they could not possibly, even given, let's say, unlimited budget and unlimited time and people who are going to spend 50 years filming and watching this stuff, you simply cannot film every single thing.
0: Agreed. I wish they talked a little bit more about that. Yeah. The panels aren't that long. You know, they're mm-hmm. 40 minutes, I guess, because...
1: Because getting people in and, you know, and out. And then and
0: time for questions. And they were quite generous with time for questions. They were. In the panels that we went to.
1: Oh, you know what we skipped over? What? The Lord of the Rings news oh, thing we went right. to. Oh, well,
0: let's, let's come back to that in a second. Okay, that okay. Was really exciting. <laughs> yes, all right. Um, so the one thing, I want to put this out to our listeners, because this was my obsessive point that I've been bothering everybody with since we saw that panel. Um, i could not really think of many examples only a few of uh remakes and i'm going to use that word very specifically a remake of a tv show or a movie where the original was really good and then the remake was just as good or even better perhaps because it seems like all of the ones that they talked about in that panel and that we could think of afterwards either the original was great and the remake was not or the original wasn't very good, and then the remake was done to make it better, like to do a mm-hmm. bigger, better, more powerful version of it. Um, and there just aren't that many where there are two versions that are kind of equally good. You thought of some good examples outside of science fiction. Science fiction, fiction yeah. Yeah, which makes sense, especially for, for dramas. or even, And musicals. Or musicals, right, musicals, you know, like Holiday and White Christmas, right? Like, Well, those aren't even this, they're not remakes of each other they're not other. remakes but they use some of the same music music and a little bit of the plotting and the source material you know they're not mm-hmm. the same a movie but both of them are really really good well like...
1: and to me the, the the um the example i came up with first which is the one i like the most is um the 1930s version of a shop the shop around the corner mm-hmm. with margaret sullivan and james stewart delightful charming in the 40s maybe late 40s they made it as in the good old summertime Mm -hmm. with judy garland Mm -hmm. now it's a musical absolutely delightful and charming but it is a remake it's the same story Mm -hmm. and in that case i believe it yeah it's even set in the same time period Mm -hmm. you know the uh you've got mail which is the same thing was is also a remake of it but it's crap and it's updated to use email but those two you could watch either one of them and go what i'm having a wonderful time
0: And not true for for science fiction and Mm -hmm. fantasy, which is weird. And all the ones that we could think of recently were, as you so astutely pointed out, mostly vanity productions or Mm -hmm. people who were trying to recapture something about their youth and ended up with a movie or a TV show or whatever that's just not very good and Mm -hmm. and adds nothing to the original. Um, I I asked this to the panel, and one of the guys pointed out that... um, you could maybe say the Batman movies are, are good. So the originals were interesting and, and good. Um, the Tim Burton one. And then the Christopher Nolan one, for people who like that, also is rated as a good movie. I don't particularly like it, but a lot of people seem to think mm-hmm. it was good and they liked it. So I'll accept that. So there's one, <laughs> you know. and And the rest of them, it's just like, no, they never really seem to be much better. They mentioned Westworld, so um, Westworld as a movie was really good and interesting it's, in its fun
1: popcorn and, way.
0: Yeah, and you know, scary like you'll burn yes. as a robot, extremely scary. And now they've made a TV show out of it. That's different. It's completely not a It's different. the same setup, but it's a completely different interpretation of mm-hmm. the material. So you can't say that that's a remake. It's just right, It's a right. different sort of thing. So I'm curious to know if anybody out there can think of examples where. There was a movie or a TV show. The original was really good, and then it got remade, and the remake was also really, really good. But not a reimagining, not a mm-hmm. totally different thing with the same name or so different that it shares only a title and maybe a plot premise. You know, I, I'm really thinking of like War of the Worlds yeah, or, or Willy Wonka or mm-hmm. something like that.
1: Well, and I think the problem, at least in contemporary remakes, there's a couple things. Some of them are vanity projects. They throw a lot of money at these. And they th- throw in a lot of special effects. Yeah. They make them longer than they need to be to get all this crap in. Yes. And there's always got to be a twist. Yeah. It cannot be the same story. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they were to remake Six Sense, at the end we'd find out the little kid was dead. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, it's true. They'd have to throw something in so it wasn't what you expected. Yeah. I don't know. It's... It it was a really good discussion but it, it really makes you think about how these how properties are treated when they're like that. And I wish they would stop remaking good movies. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's a crappy movie and they remake it and then it turns out good, like that's great. You know, you yeah. can take something Yeah, take
1: something that had a good premise, had the potential to be good, but just couldn't it couldn't didn't it, it didn't work the yeah. the casting was wrong or they had switched directors midstream who had an entirely different thing you know there's a million reasons it can go wrong right so start with let's that start with again that. and go let's see if we can do it right because this this is a good project.
0: yeah exactly so that was a good panel very yes, interesting yes. the room was too hot but it was a good panel. <laughs> we were in that room three times I it know. was very warm in there every time we were there um so we went to a Lord of the Rings panel that was hosted by people from the fan community called theonering.net, mm-hmm. um, which looks like theonoring.net <laughs> I mean, Look at it. I, that's the way I always say it in my head. And they shared a lot of news about Tolkien stuff that's happening, which was very exciting to me. Um, Mostly, they talked about the Amazon series that's going to happen mm-hmm. and what it is going to be and what it's not going to be. And that was all news to me. Uh, that
1: was so, yeah, that was great yeah. to hear about.
0: So, so, for those of you who haven't heard, uh, the Amazon series is being made with uh, staggering amounts of money behind it. I mean, what did they say? A billion dollars, mm-hmm. I think. And they're projecting it to go five years. Mm-hmm. And they're doing. They the,
1: have to be in production in two years. In two
0: years. Um, they're licensing a lot of. Uh, materials from New Line, which is probably going to include props and costumes and maybe people from maybe the movies. Maybe footage. Yeah, maybe footage, you know, not clear, maybe music um, from the movies. and. It's not what it's not going to be is a retelling of the Hobbit, and it's not going to be a retelling of the Lord of the Rings story.
1: So they need to, like we were saying, it should be called the Tolkien Anthology. It really or should
0: because it's not going to be that, and maybe it will be in the end. You yeah, know, they'll yeah. Up with a new title. So part of the panel was them just kind of riffing on what it could be, you know, stories of the Second Age, stories of young Aragorn, stories of Rohan, stories of Moria or Mm -hmm. the Dwarves. Like, it could be anything, which is very exciting. And
1: the interesting limitation on it is specifically they can do anything that's mentioned right in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if it has never been mentioned until Silmarillion, mm-hmm. that's off limits. Right.
0: Nothing in the Silmarillion can go in there. It has mm-hmm. to be from Lord of the Rings or the adjacent material that's around it. So, right. Yeah, it's very, very strongly bounded. But
1: there's a ton of stories in there. Oh, wow,
0: so many. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also talked about the fact that there's going to be, apparently, a Lord of the Rings... Uh, theme park experience in Florida at Universal Studios like this is really going to happen and so there was some time spent like what is that going to be and nobody knows what that's going to be.
1: You know I, because my family lives there now I have spent a considerable amount of time in Florida and there is not one single locale that I can think of <laughs> in Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. You know I did see yeah. the Hobbit movies but I read the book uh-huh. and read the Lord of the Rings and saw those movies and everything. Nothing that fits in Florida, Nothing, except that that's where all the other theme parks are. Yeah, well, and is it going to be rides and foods and? And then we came up with the idea of it was going to be the Epcot Center of Middle Earth. I
0: love that idea. <laughs> I think that is the best idea, and I would so love to see that, where you can just go to the different booths and meet people. Mm-hmm. There's the There's the Rohan table. You know, yes. And there's a dude dressed like Ayrmer, and you know they're, mm-hmm. they're giving you cups of mead and and stuff like that. It's like, come visit us in Rohan. We have a good package deal for you. Yes, yes. And then there's there's the
1: Hobbiton part of Epcot. You right, know yeah. that uh, you can go there you can and sit on
0: a bench and smoke a pipe. And,
1: and there's the uh, Lothlorien part, right, very which theory. is all airy fairy woohoo. <laughs> and uh,
0: so unclear <laughs> what that's gonna be. I've never been to like the Harry Potter thing, Neither. so I don't know what it's like when mm-hmm. you're there. Apparently it's good. People really like it, but mm-hmm. I've never done it, so I don't know. Yeah. But if they can do it and it turn it, people say it's good, I would totally go there to see what that was like. So
1: Good, you can report back to will. I won't
0: <laughs> I will do will do a field trip.
1: I'm I'm back. not it's not just that I'm not a, a theme park person, I am not an amusement park person. Mm-hmm. I don't like either of those things, mm-hmm. so
0: it will it will be very uh, amusement parky. I'm sure. I mean, they're going to have to have a thing. As, as somebody on the panel mentioned, you know, where you're the ring and you're going into Mount Doom. Like <laughs> that, that's the roller coaster. You're in it. And it's like plunging into the lava that's in the middle of Mount Doom. Ah, so yeah. It could be that. Uh, and they talked a little bit about some of the other Tolkien publications that are coming mm-hmm. out this year, some more books and things, and then uh, some stuff about some of the games, not LOTRO, but uh, the other uh, Shadow of the Ring or Shadow of War or something like that, which is apparently a big deal. And uh, I got in a plug at the end for Cory Olson, the Tolkien professor, whom I love, all mm-hmm. the stuff that they're doing. So that was really neat to hear all that. And yes. especially because some of that news was happening, like, right then. They said that it had just, like, the day before they announced mm-hmm. some of these things. So for all you, T- yeah, all you Tolkien fans out there, very exciting time to be alive, for sure. Yep. Uh, and then the next day, we went to, um, oh, we split up. So you saw Katie Sackhoff. I saw
1: Katie Sackhoff. Very, very entertaining. Very comfortable in her own skin. Um... So, ha- at least seemingly happy to see the fans mm-hmm. and and um, and answer their questions and you know talk about the projects she's working on. And uh, one of the things I thought was really interesting. Apparently, her father was a huge influence on her life because several times she would mention, "Well, my father told me this piece of advice, you know, whatever." But one of them was, you know, when she headed to Hollywood to be an actress, he said. You've got to figure out what makes you different. If you're just another blonde in Hollywood, you're going to fail. Mm -hmm. She said it took her a long time to figure out that although she comes across as a strong person and she feels she is a strong person and that's what she plays, she can also at the same time be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. which is her in real life, and it it also communicates on screen. And I just thought, you know, that's really, I mean, it's a marketing thing. What sets your product apart. But, you know, she had a lot of interesting, uh, you know, fun things to talk about that uh, I enjoyed. You know, I I loved her mm-hmm. on uh, Galactica. And as I've said, she was what hooked me on that in the first 10 minutes. It was like, <laughs> I'm watching the rest of this.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so while you were doing that, I went to see David Gerald, who um, mm-hmm. it was an author spotlight. So he was talking about his experiences and um, projects that he's working on now, and some of the stuff that he's done. Again, very generous with questions from the audience, um, and it's it's really weird, you know, to see people still getting up there and saying to him, "How did you get the idea for Trump?" I mean, it happens every time. It happened then, and it happened when we saw him in yes. another panel, and he's very gracious about it. I yes. got to say, you know. If I was him, I would be throwing knives at people who are asking <laughs> me that question now 50 years later. Um, but he always makes a point of saying, he explains where he got mm-hmm. the idea, and then he says, and I've written a whole book about it called The Making of Trouble with Troubles, and you can buy it at my table that's yeah, in the yeah. room. So really, it was very good for him. And he's a very entertaining speaker. Oh, he's, yeah. he's very, very funny. So that was cool to hear him. And then we went to see Adam Savage, which was a very oh, high energy. And, he I mean, is
1: just... So amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean as a as a person, as an individual. And he just comes out there and he 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 beams energy and goodwill. Yes. He owns not just the stage but the whole th- giant place <laughs> ballroom that we were in and just takes every question in the best spirit possible. Yep.
0: He's really good. He's very good with kids. There were oh, several yeah. kids who seemed quite nervous, but he was great with them. He always tells a story I haven't heard before. Uh So that story about Jamie punching himself in the face (laughs) when he had to cut the rope on his gauntlet thing, um, I never heard that before. I've seen him live a bunch of times. I've seen so many interviews with him, so that was a good story. And he he had some really good advice. A lot of people were asking for advice about cosplay and about careers, and he said, um, someone said to him, when you're asked the question how can we get more girls interested in science and STEM, the answer is get out of their way. Just yep. that's it. That's all you need to do. And I think that's a, a it's a perfect. Great answer. It's you and
1: fun. I talked about that a and, lot on our way home.
0: Yes. It's such a yes. good answer. And it was great to hear him, you know, just come out and say it. Everybody cheered. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. What we want. yeah. So it was awesome. He showed us uh, the cosplay he had done. He he and another dude were uh, the Knights of Ren, which was cool from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And he showed some pictures of um, some other cosplays that he had been helping people with. Mm -hmm. There were some people in amazing Totoro costumes, which was like super cool to see. So that was awesome. And let me just say again that we were VIPs this year. Mm -hmm. And thank God for that because...
1: It's so worth it. It didn't cost that much more.
0: And we got to be first in. For all these big things. Yeah, because... you get,
1: you know, slightly better treatment. I mean, there's a line for VOP, VIPs and a line for non-VIPs. Yeah. And the VIPs get in first. And I think at the last thing we went to, which was David Tennant, yes. I don't think any of the regular people got I in. I don't think they did Because either. people had gone to whatever was before him, mm-hmm. and then stayed. And then
0: stayed, yeah, so they could have a seat. So we definitely were loving the VIP treatment. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was awesome. Plus we had our own lounge. Yes. Which had free coffee and, and water and cookies snacks. on at least one day. Yes. And yes. it was very nice and quiet and sort of a, a decompression area.
1: And you have a, a separate entrance. You're yes. not in All those waiting entrance. to get in line in, or the line waiting to get in, you know. So definitely worth doing that if you're going to go. Yes,
0: so many perks. That was great. Uh, That was Saturday, and then Sunday we went back. We saw the fan fiction panel, which Mm -hmm. generated a lot of discussion. Um, The panel was great. It was um, David Gerald and Melinda Snodgrass, who is also a Star Trek writer and a comic
1: Tell them what she wrote.
0: Oh, well, she wrote Measure of Man.
1: I know. I just love that.
0: Great, and she's a very prolific author. And Marv Wolfman, I know who he is. He's a very – I mean, he's been writing comics for – what did he say? His first one was 1969. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, so I just make it into the 50 years. And he
1: mm-hmm. had a
0: lot of really good things to say. Yep. You know, he's obviously been around enough oh, to, yeah. to see it all. Um, and a couple of uh, other authors who uh, I did not know as well. Mm-hmm. And they talked about, uh, I mean, the big question for the panel was, are things like movies and television, are they fan fiction? So they spent some time figuring out what fan fiction is and what it isn't and I think the general answer was, if you get paid for it, if you're commissioned to write it and you get paid, it's not fan fiction. Then it becomes... Profic. Profic, or paid work, or, mm-hmm. you know, contract work, or something. Uh, and, and that was, you know, I think you have to have some kind of working definition.
1: Well, and I think that's an important distinction, mm-hmm. because the thing with fanfic is, you're more or less, maybe in a nice way, but still barging into somebody else's sandbox mm-hmm. and playing with their toys. Mm-hmm. Profic, or you know things you're writing to spec you're invited into the sandbox mm-hmm. and that to me is yeah that's all there is to it
0: yep um, and they, they, they talked about their own experiences with being that, that being invited in and having their own ideas but still having to work within those very strict bounds that were mm-hmm. there. I thought your question was great that was a, and they seemed to enjoy that as well um, to, to ask them, you know, what do you do when your vision uh, is not rejected, but maybe gets overridden or isn't mm-hmm. in sync, you know, it's, it is a form of rejection and they all kind of, like you asked them, how, how often has this ever happened to you? And all of them raised their hands. Yes. Yeah. And they just said, you got to let it go. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. You can't have that emotional thing. You just have to let it go because it's going to be that way. Right. You can't. Scream and whine and throw. It it's
1: in. just it, it, it it is still puzzling to me that um, I don't care if you if you're writing you know to spec getting paid for it or not. It is a, a work of your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know even people say oh that's just my pot boiler. I think you got involved at some point and wanted it to be your best pot of boiler. Of course, yeah. And you know to have to, like you say, give it up, push the bird out of the nest and let let. Mm-hmm fall where they may to mix all my metaphors up <laughs> I think I don't know maybe I'm I'm not as well adjusted as they are I would have some trouble with that
0: I bet all of them did have trouble with mm-hmm. it the first 10 times it happened <laughs> maybe so and then on the 50th time it happened they were just like well that's my job I mean mm-hmm. it, is, it is your job at that point if you're writing for someone else and you're getting paid for it at some point you have to let it go and just say yeah it's out there it's out of my hands
1: there's a comedian i can't think who it was but this is going back a little ways when you know all the comics you want to get on johnny carson that was the absolute biggest thing <clears throat> and he was on carson frequently and like the first time he was on he was a big hit and then for weeks afterwards all the upcoming comics were doing his bits mm-hmm. and so he decided i'm not going to do my good stuff on carson mm-hmm. i was like I can't on Carson and and do your bad stuff, you know. Well, if they're not going to let me write it my way, I'll write crap. Well, then you're not going to work. Exactly. (laughs) And the same,
0: I mean, the same for being a writer. Like, if you get hired to do something, you're not going to give them your second best effort because you're afraid that they're going to edit your first best
1: effort. Right. Right. Like, that
0: doesn't make any sense. You can't do that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So, it was was a really good discussion and, and later I was thinking... About things like um, Galaxy Quest, because that more, and and also that episode of Black Mirror, the Callister, mm-hmm. that we like so much. You know, those to me almost cross over into actual fan fiction, because they were they couldn't exist without the source material, and they depend on it so much, and knowledge of that source material. Yes, so the familiarity. Um, um, I went to see David Gerald at his table later on because mm-hmm. I wanted him to sign one of my books, and I asked him that question, and he just looked at me and he said, "I never thought about that before." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, well, what do you think?" And he kind of thought about it. He's like, "Yeah, I ki- kind of could because there, there are a lot of things. There are parody and there are homage and there, mm-hmm. you know, there are all of those things." and they wouldn't exist without it. So yes. maybe you could call them fan fiction too.
1: Um the other one that falls into that category at least for me is where no fan has gone before. Oh yes. The Futurama oh, absolutely. episode. Oh my 100%, 100%. god.
0: 100%, 100%. That And I mean it is fan fiction because And it's fan fiction. Fan fiction a fanfic fan fan because fan <laughs> that's what he's doing. That's what the alien is writing. You're mm-hmm. the, he in my fanfic play. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I I think those more than anything else are the closest, you know, if there's going to be an overlap mm-hmm. between paid contract work and fan fiction. Those are the closest to it. So it was good. That was a fun panel. Absolutely good. Uh, and then we saw David Tennant and Kristen Ritter, who were talking uh, a bit about Jessica Jones, because they're mm-hmm. both in that, but about lots of things. And David Tennant is such an entertaining man. He's so funny. He really
1: is. And and I said something to you afterwards, that I've heard um, I, directors say to, to somebody, I could tell just from talking to you that you 're a good actor, and I thought like, how can you how can you tell that watching David Tennant, I knew what it meant I mean just the way that he played the audience and the facial expressions and the animation and the you know the the able to, the ability to switch gears yeah, and go yeah. with the flow. I went, he is a good actor oh. i mean i 've always thought he 's a good actor, but this is like you know, some in real life are just very withdrawn, yeah. and he oh, wasn't but no, like that it, at his all.
0: whole forty-five minutes up there was a performance. beginning so yes. to end. Yes, and it was delightful. And he's just—he seems very relaxed.
1: And yes, very happy to answer questions yeah. and,
0: and 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 go
1: with the flow. So,
0: and as we had observed, a lot of the questions were really interesting, like not mm-hmm. the typical questions. I don't think anybody asked him about Doctor Who.
1: Um. Somebody asked about, like, what was the toughest episode, and he said the oh, one where, where it was, where, the, where it was the last yeah. episode with Rose. But,
0: but aside from that, you know, there mm-hmm. weren't like, you know, what did you do with your costume, or you yeah. know, it wasn't that kind of thing. It was, it was much more about him as an actor. There were some really good questions about, um, you know, what role would you. Like to have played that you've never played, and things mm-hmm. that you've missed out on, and what do you enjoy more, playing villains or good guys? And and after several of them, he was like, "Oh, that's a tough question," and he'd yep. really kind of have to think about it a little mm-hmm. bit. It was good. Yes, yes. And he was extremely funny. And Kristen Ritter was good. I think, as she said, this is her first time ever being mm-hmm. out kind of on the circuit, and she was she she was good when we saw her. But clearly, this is all like a little bewildering to have Mm -hmm. these people in a room kind of like staring at you and asking questions, but she seems to be coping with it well. Mm -hmm. I'm sure by this time next year she'll be an old pro at doing this.
1: Right, right, yeah.
0: So that was great, and then we went to Gordon Biersch and uh, had some garlic fries, and and that was pretty much it.
1: And I have to say, because we went there twice.
0: (laughs) Yes, we did.
1: If you come to San Jose and do not have garlic fries at Gordon Biersch, you have missed the number one reason to go to San Jose.
0: It's true. Um,
1: it's like going to Paris and not seeing the Eiffel Tower, which would be almost impossible since you can see it from <laughs> everywhere in Paris. But it, it, you know.
0: It's true. I will make the, the probably non-controversial statement that Gordon Beers has the best garlic fries ever, anywhere.
1: I don't want them from any place else because when I order them, I'm expecting that, it's, and it's like
0: it's always what? a disappointment. I've had them in so many places, and they're never is good. Never, just never, never is good. So, yeah. That, there are <laughs> geese outside my so, house. <laughs> yeah, going. <laughs> I know. I hear them <laughs> honking. So uh, that was our con weekend. It was fabulous. We had a great time. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was not stressful in the no, least.
1: We'd... We, uh, really we do so well doing these things together, yeah. traveling together and making um, plans and, um, and making as, it all happen for
0: us. Um, as the as before, you know, the um, staff was great, really helpful. Crowds were not overwhelming. A lot of really good cosplay. We saw people in oh, amazing, amazing, amazing costumes. People are generally pretty polite, you know. Mm-hmm. Not, not a lot of assholes, which was yeah. great. Really and good.
1: the cosplayers, I'm not into it at all, but they continue to amaze me oh, yeah. with... How elaborate and intricate, I mean, this isn't something you threw together last weekend,
0: mm-hmm. you know. They've spent weeks working on these things, mm-hmm. and the fact that they can wear them all day.
1: Oh, I know, some of those look so uncomfortable or so hot. Yeah. But, um, um yeah.
0: There, there were a couple, several people wearing TOS costumes. Mm-hmm. Um I laughed because there was one woman that we saw at the beginning of the day. On Saturday, who was wearing a beautiful, really nice, pretty screen accurate red um, uhura st- mm-hmm. style you know engineering dress and she had on black tights and black boots that came up above her knees mm-hmm. and had about four inch spikes on them. She looked amazing, yeah, she yeah. really did. And then I saw her later in the day and she was walking around carrying her boots. <laughs> of course. I was like,
1: oh, your feet. You should yes. have brought
0: another pair of boots
1: to wear. Yeah, later. oh but then she would have had to be carrying at least one pair oh, of boots time. I know. The whole well time. she did have a
0: boyfriend and okay. I was just like, okay. just make him carry the boots and you yeah. have some nice comfortable ones that you could some Uggs and you can wear yeah, them for time. <laughs> But there was there were a lot there were more TNG costumes than TOS costumes. And
1: that's almost Um, always true at the cons nowadays. It's
0: it's fun. But the TOS costumes we saw looked pretty darn good. So that was was great. That was very good. So um, let's take a little break. Okay. We have some news to talk about. And then we should also talk about um, the show that Bill did that we watched last night, Yes. I I totally forgot about it. Okay. So we'll be right back.
1: Okay. Space, the final frontier. these are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before.
0: Listeners, we want to hear from you. Facebook, email, Twitter, whatever you got, send it our way. Look at his butt at gmail.com and show notes at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. So there's William Shatner, right? Yeah. He's an actor. He used to be in Star Trek, and now he does everything.
1: Yes, <laughs> he does whatever he wants, wherever he goes. Right, all the time. And they let him, and they invite him to do other things. That's
0: true, and he's never ever going to stop because he's never going to die. And
1: okay. he's never, not in motion.
0: This is right. This is right. And he he lives his life in superlatives. Yeah. As we saw, that I actually wanted to mention that in in this. Okay. So. Okay. Um, we watched last night on Netflix uh, this documentary he was in called The Truth is in the Stars. Uh, it was released in 2017. He actually talked about it at last year's Silicon Valley Comic Con, mm-hmm. and he said he had just finished interviewing all these scientists and, and you know famous theor- theoreticists about the future and the big questions and all that. So we, so we watched it last night. It was good.
1: It was good, but I want to ask you something. Yes. What do you think was the point or the purpose of making this?
0: I think the point was for him to meet Stephen Hawking. Okay. Pretty much.
1: Pretty much.
0: And the other people were nice to have along the way, but I think that's really what he wanted to do mm-hmm. and to ask him some, some big questions, which he did. He yes. got to do, so that yes. was what it all led up to. So he, mm-hmm. in the movie, he framed it as... You know, I have this chance to meet Stephen Hawking, so what do I ask him? So let me talk to all these other people and ask them what they would ask him. And he sort of took that all mm-hmm. on board and then actually had this meeting, uh, which was, it was really well done. And you could see how moved he was by actually being there. I think that must have been possibly the one thing on his bucket list that he wasn't ever sure he'd be able to mm-hmm. do, and he got to do
1: it. And yeah, and then at, at the end he's outside talking. Yeah, so many he goes, I wonder what we're having for dinner. He invited me to dinner. He invited <laughs> me to <laughs> dinner.
0: And as he told us last year at the
1: con, uh, he
0: made Stephen Hawking laugh. Yes. Which he did. Like he it was, did. It was genuinely funny. And you could see him, that mm-hmm. Stephen Hawking was laughing. And Bill was like, out of his mind, so delighted. Yes. He was like, I made you laugh. I can't believe it. Yep. It was so funny. It was great. Um, so... Let's see, I'm going to read off the names of some of the people that he talked to. Okay, yes. It ranged from uh, people like Chris Hadfield, who is a Canadian astronaut. I found him... He's amazing.
1: ...so fascinating. I mean, I would like to see an hour of just him talking about his Mm -hmm. experiences and his philosophy and how he feels about these things. Yeah.
0: He was great. He's a deep thinker, and you can tell that being on the space station for as long as he had been really changed him in profound ways, Mm -hmm. and I was amazed at the things that he said, and, and the answers to some of his questions, which I, I will come back to in a minute. Okay. Um, so, um, Chris Hanfield, he talked to Michio Kaku, who was at the con this weekend. Yes, um, yes. We saw him. I,
1: I mean, we didn't go to his yeah. panels or
0: anything, but I saw him. Um, David Suzuki, who's a noted mm-hmm. environmentalist, and apparently a friend of Bill, since they were talking like they were best buds since college or Yeah, something. yeah. So that well, was great. You know,
1: Bill's very concerned with the environment. Uh, um, so.
0: Neil deGrasse Tyson,
1: of mm-hmm. course.
0: Uh, Neil Turok, uh, another physicist. Um, Mike Lazaridis, who I am trying to remember if I actually met him or not because he was one of the founders of BlackBerry. And um, oh, I, right, right. my company worked for BlackBerry once upon a time, doing some stuff. And and I'm, I think he might have been on one of our conference calls. So wow. He has since sold BlackBerry and has uh, endowed a school for um, or a center for. Technology and research mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That was pretty cool. Um, but he also talked to Jason Alexander and Whoopi Goldberg and Seth McFarland and Beth, Ben Stiller, mm-hmm. you know, like his actor friends. Yes. Like, to get in there. And, you know, I, my only complaint with this was that it, it really, for me, kind of lacked a, a narrative line through the whole thing. It That's very why I was choppy. asking my
1: question. Yeah. I think it would have been better to have narrowed it down to perhaps before Hawking he talked to four or five people and had lengthier discussions. Yeah,
0: yeah. The, one question he asked a lot...
1: <coughs> Excuse me.
0: ...but not to everybody was how has Star Trek influenced what you do or your area or, or science in general? And that was good. There were a mm-hmm. lot of really interesting answers to that, but he didn't ask that of everybody. No. And while I found the the interviews pretty interesting, um, with different points of view, it it didn't feel like it moved things on very much. No, you know, like he sits down with Jason Alexander and they talk about magic, and then they talk about the Big Bang and what happened before the Big Bang, and you get to hear a little bit of Jason Alexander's philosophy. It's like, okay, that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get a lot from it. Yeah. You know, it, and it, it for some of them, it was clearly an opportunity to tell Bill how much they dug him, which yes. is fine. I mean, I'm not going to say no to that, mm-hmm. but still, like, uh, if this is really about asking those big questions, like, where do we come from and how does the universe work? And can we do time travel or warp speed mm-hmm. and stuff? Oh, we forgot to talk about the physics of Star Trek. Let's oh, come back God. to that. That was like okay. the best panel.
1: Uh, yes, well, let's finish up <laughs> yeah, so we'll Bill's finish documentary.
0: Um, it was, I mean, it was good. I just, I wished, it felt like he had an idea and he started doing these interviews, and as he was doing them, the idea changed. And, yes. And they couldn't go back to redo those original interviews, so they had to cut around it and try to make it all fit into this
1: thing. Well, and also, again, because there were so many people, you felt like. It was skimming the surface. Yes. Where I wanted to to get down deeper. I mean, we've seen Bill is a fabulous interviewer. He really
0: is, yeah. So it would have been better, yeah, if he had just done, like, Chris Hatfield, Stephen Hawking, Neil Turok, um, David Suzuki. That's it. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been a better show. Yeah. 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 You know, maybe they felt like... We need to have some other names in here to get people interested. So
1: Maybe so, but it was good. It, but let's talk about physics yeah, of Star Trek. So, oh, my God.
0: So, so you should watch this. It's on Netflix. It's an hour and a half. It's good. It's, worth it's
1: good. Yes, absolutely. Um,
0: so, uh, yeah, we went to this panel, and it was called the physics of Star Trek, and it was taught. taught. It was given by a guy who's a teacher. He's a professor at uh, one of the universities in the South Bay here who teaches physics, and this is University his, of ...Santa Clara. Clara. This is his class. He has a whole semester on this, and he condensed it all down to a 45-minute presentation, and it was so good because he was an excellent lecturer, and you can tell oh. he's an excellent teacher.
1: And, and you could tell he loves his subject matter. Oh, so much. He loves the interaction. Yep. And, you know, he went through all the, the basic things yeah. that we associate with Star Trek, like the transporter and the warp drive,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he'd say... Is it possible? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Is it possible? Absolutely. And here's why. Is it possible? No. Never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And here's why. And explained it in this completely accessible oh. way. And I was like, give this man a TV show. It was so
0: good. And, oh. and funny. Very funny. With examples from all the different Trek shows. Mm-hmm. And I loved that he finished... And then he started taking questions from the audience, and I don't think I've ever been to one where there were so many questions that he just answered like rapid fire. Like, mm-hmm. what about this? What about the transporter? What about the food replicator? What about the shields? What about this? And, and, um, you know, he just was like, "I'll tell you about that." And then he'd mm-hmm. do it in like two minutes. He would he would yes. bang it out, and that was the explanation. He was great. It was such a good thing. Um, so, uh, things that are possible include warp drive. Mm-hmm. Um, Things that are not possible are things like uh, inertial dampers. Yes, that was absolutely the one said, impossible. said absolutely not. Never <laughs> going to happen,
1: yeah. But um, warp drive, uh, I think transporter in some form. Right,
0: but not like on the show.
1: No, not like on the show. Right. Um,
0: Shields, kind of, sort of, possible. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty interesting. Um, time travel, maybe
1: but not likely. But not
0: likely, and maybe, and he's like, we're traveling now in one direction. Yes, yes. Like, yep, that's exactly right.
1: Well, and he also pointed out some of the things that were in Star Trek that we have now. Like, he's, was he the one who said, when I was first watching it, and I was going, yeah, that could happen, that could happen. The one he thought would never, ever, ever happen was the automatically oh, opening door? So that
0: was Neil deGrasse. Tyson. Oh, was that? Him? And okay, then we, that's he, right. So he told that story, and then we were watching the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. and That's where he said it was in that movie. Yes, Bill okay. was interviewing him, which I thought was hilariously funny.
1: Yes, oh. but um, you know, he was saying like um, they he showed the shot of Uhura with the the thing in her yeah, ear. Bluetooth, he goes, Bluetooth. Um, you know, the the portable computer, the pad, the you pad, know, whatever you tablets. want to call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah the so communicator. Cool. He does the flip phone, and mm-hmm. he says. You know, years ago you'd show the flip phone and we like, Wow, oh, communicator and now it's like flip phone, you know. So old, yeah. Uh, but and he's the like the, doors. <laughs> yes. But he's like the kind of teacher you always want. Mm-hmm. And the kind of teacher who you would go to his class no matter what he was teaching. Yeah,
0: definitely, definitely because it would be
1: so worthwhile. Oh.
0: It was great. I was so happy we went to that. And, oh, dear. and it was packed. It was in that little room that <laughs> the we had been in before—the little hot human room—and they could have put it in a room bigger, and I think it would have been full.
1: And that's what we were saying. The minute you put Star Trek in the title of it, you should be moving it to the ballroom. Uh,
0: definitely, people are going to show up. So that was that was really great. So yeah, sorry we missed that in our, our con recap. Um, one thing I wanted to say, which came up both um, in Bill's movie, but also in the um, the Mars panel that we mm-hmm. saw was the question if you had the opportunity would you go to mars knowing it was probably a one way trip you know
1: no the, the, well the question came up several times and one time it was would you go knowing it was one way right and would you go knowing you could come back
0: yeah so i was so chris hadfield the astronaut mm-hmm. um bill asked him would you go and he said yeah definitely i'd go And Bill was like, but what about your family and, and, you know, not getting to to see your granddaughter? And he was like, you know, for me, if I had the opportunity, I think it's so important that I would do it. Some of the people on the Mars panel also were saying if they had Mm -hmm. the opportunity, they would go. Um, You know, I thought about this because in our lifetimes, it probably will be possible to go to space if you really want to. You can now. Right, but, you if you know. got the money.
1: And somebody says, I can't remember what company it was, they're going to have a hotel in orbit yeah. in 2022 or something. Yeah, not
0: that far away where yeah. you could actually go and do it. And you know what? I would never do it. I have thought about it long and hard, and I do not want to leave the planet. I, no. It would make me too scared. <laughs> that,
1: that's right. I just I could not cope with that level of, even if they've gone a million times safe, the uncertainty, and I don't yeah. mean the uncertainty of space travel. I mean of getting to this place where absolutely nothing is familiar to yeah. me. Nothing. nothing. I, My brain would shut down. No,
0: I don't ever want to be that far away from the planet. Yeah, It's too far for me. It's mm-hmm. too scary. I yep. don't want to do it. So for people who are cool with it, And the people who go and live on the space station? Oh, my God. What does it take to be able to do that? That's amazing. Yes, yes. Totally amazing.
1: Well, you know, when you were talking earlier about, what's the Canadian astronaut's name?
0: Chris Hadfield.
1: (coughs) When you were talking about him and what an amazing person he is, from the things I've read and interviews I've seen, it seems to me that, like, almost every single one of the astronauts and the people who have gone up to the space station and worked there and everything are all... They're extraordinary beings. Oh, they are. Um they it's not just oh, they know physics or they know their job. These are these are people who really think about things mm-hmm. and you know, have ideas and have an actual life philosophy that guides mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And they're they're well read usually in many areas. Mm-hmm.
0: They are. I, I just don't see how you could go up and live in space and not have that change you in some fundamental way. Right, yeah. I mean, I know it changes them physically, right? They were just saying yeah. like your DNA is now different from being up there. That's mm-hmm. wacky and wild. But, yeah, it must it must really change your way of thinking about everything mm-hmm. to be away from your own home planet.
1: <laughs> well, and so many of the, the early astronauts said... When you got far enough away that you could see Earth as a planet, the whole, not just all of it, all all of the it not difference. just looking at Africa and, yeah. and the rest is outside your screen, yeah. that it—it's—it's it's one of those moments that strikes you speechless. Yeah. What What can you say? How can you describe what that? Yeah. Feels like it's—it's it's amazing. I—I
0: hmm, I wonder. I wish we should, Bill should have talked to him more. <laughs> he talked to him more. Yeah. <laughs> good. Okay. All right, well, we have some news that we, that we have to get to, and it's uh, newsy news about Star Trek.
1: Newsy news. So news. I'm just
0: going to go with the one that, that was announced today yes. because it's the freshest one. So they've been now, because production is going to start soon, on uh, season two of Discovery, they're leaking little bits of information. And today's leak was that they have cast an actor as Captain Christopher Pike. Who knew? hmm So this is the dude who's going to do it. His name is Anson Mount. And I only know him because he was in the very bad um, Marvel TV show called uh, Inhumans.
1: I don't know him from anything.
0: Yeah, and I don't know his other credits include Hell on Wheels and something called Nonstop, and I don't know what either of those two things are. So he's an actor. He kind of looks like Jeffrey Hunter,
1: kind of. Yeah. You know. Yep.
0: Um. So that's good. That's kind of all it says. It doesn't say how many episodes he's going to be there or how much we're going to get to see him. Uh, one of the co-runners said, uh. The second season of Discovery is not a war season. So I guess the first season was a war season. Mm -hmm. We are very interested in tackling themes of science versus faith. We'll be nine years before original series, and there are things from TOS that we want to do some nods to.
1: To me, the big question is not who's playing Christopher Pike, although, you know, like you said, they're leaking little bits. But who's going to be the new captain of Discovery? And do you think it's possible they'll bring in someone else because um I just saw a snippet of an interview with Doug Jones who said and he could just be playing us but he said Saru needs to grow more Mm -hmm. and I don't think they would give it to Burnham no
0: I wouldn't think so yeah I don't know um it seems like a really good opportunity to bring in someone new in -hmm. that role it'd be great if it was a woman that'd be nice I can't think of anybody else in the crew besides Saru who they could promote. Right, right. right. They haven't... Nobody else. There's they haven't, Everybody's out junior. Yeah, yeah,
1: pretty junior. Yeah. They haven't developed any character to the point where you're going, yeah, so-and-so could step in. Yeah. Um, I wonder, like you said, it'd be great if it was a woman. And I was thinking, it'd be great if it was anything other than a white guy. But um, have we ever seen... No, we have not... An alien captain. In the in you know Starfleet.
0: Do Vulcans count as aliens?
1: When was one a captain? Spock was a captain. But he was a captain for a teaching thing, and he, he yeah. was very distinct about that. Yeah. That and there are captains who are who that's their rank, but they don't command a ship.
0: Yeah. Well, there was the, the Vulcan ship. Um, uh, mm-hmm. There was a Federation ship that got destroyed. Yeah. So obviously a Vulcan captain there. Um, I mean, I think they've they've had captains who were aliens. We we didn't see them on their ships, but at you know like conference settings, I think on Deep Space Nine once in mm-hmm. a while they'd have a captain come in, and it wasn't a, a standard white guy.
1: Yeah. Kinda. Well, and this seems like early days in the Federation, but honestly, they have more aliens on board than we ever saw in TOS totally, or TNG.
0: Totally, totally. So mm-hmm. it, it would be a good opportunity. So maybe they will it'll be Ensign Daft Punk or something get, getting promoted up the ranks. I don't know. So another mm-hmm. leak that came out um, a little further back was a bonus scene that was leaked, which was yes. very interesting.
1: Yes, indeed. So
0: we were saying at the end, you know, with Georgiou the mirror Georgie, that is, they're yes. not just going to let her go. We're like, no. <laughs> so in this additional scene, she gets a visit from a dude named Leland who asks her to join uh, Section 31. We had speculated a little bit about that earlier, mm-hmm. and it seems like that is going to be one of the threads in the next season. Yeah, today.
1: and I saw something where I believe the showrunners sort of confirmed that, that there would be Section 31.
0: Yeah so that will be very interesting um mm-hmm. you know they haven't really leaked a whole lot about that um here, let's see it's, it's showrunner aaron harbert addressed the question of whether or not star trek discovery takes place in the prime timeline saying the idea was always to be in the prime timeline obviously there are questions and concerns and things that are different our technology is different. We have a ship that runs differently. Season two is really exciting for us because this is our opportunity to show how Discovery fits into this prime timeline, and we're firmly committed to that. But I do like the idea of seeing other universes from time to time.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Whatever that means. Whatever
0: that means. Uh, Let's see. Uh, A fan had also asked, I think this was at San Diego Comic-Con or something, uh, or a different Comic Con, rather, whether Discovery will change its officers' uniforms to something a bit more traditionally Trek in season two. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging that Discovery did bump up against the Enterprise in the finale, uh, Harbert's hedged, We know what kind of uniforms they wear, so we'll leave it at that. Okay. Okay. Thanks. That's yeah. Well, you know,
1: that's kind of their job is to, yeah. uh, to whet our appetites.
0: Yes. So they're going to be filming soon, they're writing it right now. They, I think they're doing like kind of one a week on these leaks that are coming out, mm-hmm. little little bits of information. Well, that's
1: smart. They should be doing it's that. It's good.
0: So they'll keep us interested right up yeah. to when it starts again.
1: Wonderful. To see, good old Harry Mudd again.
0: i got to think they're going to use him yeah. again. I, they gave him such a prominent role.
1: Yes. Well, he, Rain Wilson, is in a play in Chicago right now. Oh, uh-huh. And when I get back, if I can uh, still get tickets, I want to yeah. go see that. Yes.
0: Uh, just as an aside, we watched uh, The Death of Stalin the other night, oh, yes. which Jason Isaacs is in, and he has a great part. So, oh, God. If you get the chance to see that movie, it's amazing. It's, it's hilarious. It's so dark and so funny and so bloody and just hysterically funny. And
1: so sharply written oh. and sharply performed. It's like everybody is at the top of their oh. game and pinging off each other.
0: Really, you, you would never think that Steve Buscemi would be the perfect person to play Nikita Khrushchev, and yet he is. He is. He's wonderful. He's so good. Uh, so, yeah, if you're into that sort of thing, definitely see that. It is really good. And it's mm-hmm. still in theaters as of now. Um, it hasn't yes, been released yes. on DVD or anything. But, yeah, Death of Stalin. And Jason Isaacs is <laughs> he's so funny. Oh, my God. He really great. is. Really, really, really good. And he has a great Yorkshire accent. <laughs> of top all right uh, we got a couple other things here let oh. me look oh so we've got that thing with the the 50 best science fiction moments this was in uh popular mechanics yeah good
1: old popular mechanics and uh, the interesting thing to me is there were uh four from tos mm-hmm. wake up machine um <laughs> at the, the bottom of the list the number 50 was nuclear Wessels. <laughs> they really like that and then further down in the 30s is the destruction of the enterprise uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that was interesting. Um, I'm trying to find the other, the, <laughs> the last one I know, but um, I'm trying to find the one in between there.
0: Oh, this is one of those terrible website things where they make you click through all of the, the gallery to get to it. Yes. It's like, oh, my God, don't do that. Yeah, Stop doing that. And
1: now my, my screen just froze. Come on, come on. Okay. Let's do this. Let's do this.
0: Let's see. I'm I'm going through, oh, what? which one is that one? I'm at 20. Yep, there, Destruction of the Enterprise. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Forbidden Planet, yes.
1: Yes. Uh, Wow. Okay, Close Encounters. Now it's running, okay.
0: Oh, of course, number 30. on.
1: Yes, and then at (laughs) number 10 Uh is the death of Spock. And talked about there is no more, the description, there is no more emotional moment what a great acting job Shatner and Nimoy do. Yeah. Um. And I thought, okay, I got to see the rest of this list because what's yeah. better than yeah. that as far as emotional impact? Do you want to know what they put at number one? What? I am your father. Oh, no. And I thought that was a big surprise. Yeah. And I'm not a Star Wars fan. So if, if we have some real, you know, diehard Star Wars people okay. listening, I want to know was that a deep emotional impact for you or was it just. Wow, I can't believe they did that. Because yeah. that's what it was yeah.
0: for me. Oh, I, oh, no. I mean, the, the, the emotional resonance of that compared to Spock dying, mm-hmm. totally different. Totally yes, different.
1: yes. Nothing, nothing touches that.
0: Yeah. Um, I will say I agree with number two, which is the final scene from Blade Runner where um, Rutger Hauer's character dies when he does the tears in the rain monologue. That's an incredibly moving thing. Yes, okay. A perfect ending. Here's what it says
1: about death of Spock. Oops. And then it goes back. It flipped away. <laughs> okay. I have I have been and always shall be your friend. Yeah. So much history of friendship summed up in nine simple words. Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner delivered two great performances deserving of this incredible moment and it's the emotional high watermark of any Star Trek film past or present.
0: Yep, I completely agree with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I i mean, I have to say, I think that should count as one of the best movie moments. Like, forget just science fiction or, or any of that. Mm-hmm. Just as a movie moment.
1: Yeah, I think if you were going to compile a list of the the greatest or most moving or whatever, death scenes. Yeah. That would have to be in You'd there. you have to put that up there. You really
0: would because it, it is all those things and because those two actors play it so beautifully. It is.
1: I mean, I, I've talked about so many times how beautiful the camera work is, not interfering but capturing exactly yep. what needs to be captured. Yep. The When Shatner slumps at the end, the, mm. the despair and the shock he's in shock he He can kirk cannot really take it in at that moment Mm -hmm. of that spock is gone it's
0: and it (sighs) it it cuts away everything that that he has said in that movie up till then about the no win scenario Mm -hmm. now he has to confront it that's the no win scenario that is when your best friend dies yeah what do you do yeah He's great. He's just, they're both so great in that scene. Mm-hmm. So good. <sighs> um, let's see. Let, let's uh, just talk about this uh, very quickly. So this was, well, we've got a couple of things to choose from. What do you want to talk about? To I'm trying
1: to look at them. Um, okay, I'm just going to briefly say I'm going to post something to our Facebook page. About what the rest of the galaxy actually thinks of humans, because it is so so funny. So you know, be looking for that. Um...
0: Well, we had a thing that a listener sent us, which was uh, the Starfleet um, Academy experience. Oh yes, at the yeah at the Liberty Science Center. So it uh, this was just a coincidence because when Mm -hmm. in Bill's movie. He visited this very thing when it mm-hmm. was on the Intrepid, which is a ship that was docked right, in New right. York, and now but, they're moving it.
1: But this is in Jersey City. Yeah. And um, Tri Stater Trekkies may know, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is pretty cute. Um, at the end, this is cool guests find out what position they are best qualified for. I cannot imagine where they would put us. And then they receive an emailed Starfleet certificate and some photos and videos. From the experience.
0: It sounds great. Uh, The person who wrote this, this article is in uh, Hollywood Soapbox, which is very Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, It says, uh, this guy says, on my recent visit it took about 90 minutes to travel through the exhibition Mm -hmm. and to take part in all of the activities and quizzes. I could have spent three hours and I actually did go back to a few stations multiple times. When the crowds are light like they were on this visit, the experience is much more appreciated. So it sounds great, and you could see uh, in Bill's movie when he mm-hmm. was l- looking through it, it looked beautiful, and yes. there's a shuttlecraft replica there, and of course there's an Enterprise you know, model that you can see. Um, there was, I think in the Intrepid itself, was the shuttlecraft Enterprise, yes, yes. which Bill was also looking at, and uh, just so many interactive things that just looked. Totally beautiful. It looked like mm-hmm. they did an amazing job. So Okay,
1: listen to this. Yeah. You're able to beam onto a ship using a green screen, and the re-atomized video of the beaming is actually saved on your account and emailed <gasps> to you. There's a phaser shooting game, a Klingon language lesson, uh-huh. and a chance to pass the Kobayashi Maru <laughs> training exercise. What does that
0: mean, pass?
1: <laughs> well, try to do. <laughs> Yes.
0: You're not going to pass. You're not going to not get destroyed this by is
1: a It's important to use the wristband and try to hit each and every station because um, there are quizzes yeah. throughout. The device records your answers and then at the end it tells you you should you know, be uh-huh. in uh, the laundry like Ensign yep.
0: ship <laughs> ships, <laughs> ship's corset maker. Yeah, <laughs> The embroiderer. Ships, ship's fool. That's me. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> I'll be juggling and trying to make people laugh. Ha, ha, ha. That'll be great. Well, I, I, I'm i sad that it's in Jersey City. I wish it was a little bit closer uh, mm-hmm. because it seems like it would be super fun. So uh, for any of you on the East Coast, uh, it's there through May
1: 28th. Ooh, okay. So So uh,
0: go see it. Go soon. I'm sure lots of people are going to be there. Um, I wanted to mention just one more thing about Bill's movie, which was that I liked how he kind of effortly. Effortlessly went back and forth between saying, "I played Captain Kirk on this thing," Um, and then sometimes he would say, "Um, "When I was exploring space, (laughs) yes, like he had really done it, you know." This is when I was
1: exploring cardboard and twinkle lights. Yes,
0: (laughs) when I was captain of the Enterprise, like that's on your resume. You not that you played the captain. No, but you Are are the captain? Captain. So I, I appreciate the fact that he just kind of slips into that mm-hmm. very, very naturally. Yeah, when I was yep. exploring space and <laughs> flying around the galaxy. Yep. You do it, Bill.
1: Yeah. All right. So we've, we've learned so much this weekend. We've been to wonderful panels. We oh, saw yeah. Bill's documentary, and it's all uh, good. you had David Gerald sign a book I of yours. I
0: did. I got to chat with him, which was uh, something I never really thought I'd do, and mm-hmm. I've been reading book since I was probably 12 years old, Mm -hmm. and I had him sign a copy of one of the original paperbacks that I'd bought at that time, which is Falling Apart and Held Together with Tape. Mm -hmm. He was like, wow, this is really old. I was like, well, yes, it's an original. But that meant a lot to me, you know, just to get to tell him how much that book and the, the things that he's done were important to me, and actually very formative in getting us to the fact that we do this podcast now, because... Before I read his book, uh, the two books, The Making of Trouble with Tribbles and The World of Star Trek, I never really thought about Star Trek as a participatory fan thing. It was kind of like, oh, I love this show, and this show is cool. And then I read these books, and it was like, oh, it's people who make this show, and Mm -hmm. here's all this interesting stuff about how they film it, and what goes on, and who these people really are, and there's fan conventions, and people write fan it's like, I had never known about any of it and it just blew my mind to mm-hmm. read those things and that's what put me on the path to where I am today in terms of fandom.
1: Well, and and speaking of things that blew your mind, I had forgotten that he wrote the book uh, The Man Who Folded Himself, yes. which I read I think about a year ago and it really is a whoa, okay, wait, let me wrap my head around this before I read the next paragraph, mm-hmm. but a uh, really interesting, really fun, good book. Yep. He's yes. A, he's
0: an excellent science fiction writer and um, also created and wrote for um, Land of the Lost, (laughs) which he talked about a bit at the battle, and that was pretty amusing, one of the many, many things he's been involved in. So if you're a fan of the... um, uh, the sleeve stack, and, you know,
1: that's that's his thing. That's his deal. He did that. Well, he here's it. one of the great things about going to these cons. You and I are standing in a line, I'm going, I have no idea what Land of the Lost is. And you start explaining it to me, <laughs> me and telling me things, and the guy behind me goes, the sleeve stack? <laughs> and it's like, I love this world. It's great. It was funny. And then
0: as we're standing in the line for David Tennant, you didn't see him, but there was a dude... Uh, standing in the line right next to us. who was, He was very tall and he had a bald head and he was wearing a yellow jumpsuit and a big silvery cape and he had um, red boots and and red gloves on, and I was like, I know who he is. And he went in and mm-hmm. like, and then last night we were watching TV, and we were watching we watched the anime that this dude was dressed up like. Oh, he God. He was One Punch Man, and I was like, I knew who he was. It was One Punch Man. <laughs> I was like, that's not obscure, but that's enough that not everybody is going right. to dress up like that dude and shave their heads. Yeah, to look like that. So yeah, that was pretty cool. I enjoyed seeing. Yes, that. It, it was
1: great, and. Um, as far as we know, we haven't heard anything. We certainly didn't witness anything. There was like no trouble, no, mm-hmm. you know, fights. I mean, this, nope. this is a real, uh, I mean, families go to this, they yeah, bring their little lots kids, of kids. Yeah. and uh, the kids are dressed up too. And everybody's having a good time in a good mood and going to these different things. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's a really good con, I really like Mm -hmm. it. It's well run. Next year, we'll be there. Next
1: year, they've gotta have, though, better signage. Yes. That convention center has poor signage. Mm -hmm. Not the fault of the con, the convention center. Also, there have got to be places where you can buy bottled water, snacks. The snack bars in the convention center were closed. And outside, you could get ice cream or hot dogs. Yep,
0: that was pretty much it. That was it. So.
1: That that made it a little um, less fun.
0: Comfortable. Yeah,
1: less comfortable. Yep. Yeah, because, you know, at certain points, I was like, I've got to have something to drink, yeah. you know, some water, something. I
0: mean, thank God for the um, our little VIP room, because mm-hmm. um, there was no place you could just get coffee. Yeah. There was not a Starbucks around there. Mm -hmm. Um, There were no coffee shops around there. There were places in the hotels that are attached to the convention center, but there were 50 people online. Mm -hmm. And hotel
1: food. No, not
0: that good. So I was able to go and fill up my little coffee cup, and that was awesome. That really kept me going in the mornings.
1: Well, when they email us and say, give us your reviews, one of the things we said is the VIP room, and I would be willing to pay more for it, should serve breakfast. Definitely. And maybe then from 11.30 to one thirty have, you know, like light lunch available in that room. And
0: a big vending machine. Yeah. With Coke products in
1: it. Mm-hmm. I think that would be good. But um all in all...
0: Great experience. Great experience.
1: We were so lucky with the weather.
0: Oh, We were. It was awesome. So uh, let's wrap this up. Okay. And um, that's probably going to be it until we have our next show when we'll talk about whatever else is happening whatever. in the world of Czech because I'm sure Bill is now doing a million things and mm-hmm. there'll be lots to talk about. So um, thanks, listeners. Hope you enjoyed hearing about the convention. Uh, and, and until next time, I'll say it correctly this time, live long and potluck. <laughs>